Well, I hope you're enjoying the service as much as I am. I've been enjoying it. Do you like it? Just want to remind you about what's happening in Tiffin. Please keep praying. Uh, Exciting things. If you didn't hear last week, we actually signed a purchase agreement for a property on the corner of 224 and County Road 1 in between. Somebody they know who's a committed Christian in Tiffin and how excited they are about grace coming, even though they don't come to our church and I don't know that they plan to come to our church, but excited that grace was coming because they have been trying to impact people. They have heard many people have been impacted by grace here in Fremont. And so they're excited about that happening in their area. And then I've been also hearing stories about even non-believers are kind of interested in the fact that grace is coming because they know somebody who's been impacted by grace up here who is from Tiffin. And so we're just excited. This is kind of unusual, and uh, we didn't really expect this much buzz in Tiffin, but, but it's great, and we're seeing God preparing people's hearts and and laying the groundwork for us and opening the doors that we needed, and we're just uh, great to see it move forward. So thanks for praying, and please keep doing that. Some of you may also know that next week we are hosting a national conference, Access 2018, as Jess was telling us on the announcements. And we have uh, the group of churches that we connect with. We have these conferences for, for leaders in the conference every year. And so I've been a part of this now. Our church has for 27 years, longer than that, the church, just since I've been here, uh, 27 years, and go to that every year. And this is the first time ever that they've decided that I can recall, I'm pretty sure it is, in the last 27 years or so, that they've decided to come back to the place that they were there the year before. And that's what we hosted them last year. They decided they want to come back, which to my knowledge, never even happened before. And we have another opportunity to impact church leaders from all over North America, and we plan to do that. And it's just another avenue that God has given us to impact other people. I think we surprised. It'll be tougher this time because the word's out now. But uh, I think they were surprised to find grace, a, a church like we are in, in such a small community. And uh, But now the, the word's out, so we're not going to surprise them. So we need to up it again, you know what I mean, to to make an impact. So we're excited about that. We're in a series, Blueprints, very appropriate, especially at this time in our history, which is super exciting for our church, because it's all about building the church. I mean, we know that Jesus builds his church, but he gives us instructions on how to do church, how what the plan should be. He gives us the architectural design of what the church should look like. And he does that when he writes a young pastor, Timothy, that he installed in a church in Ephesus. And so he's writing him, Paul's writing him how to do church. And so we want to do church that very same way. And, and we're excited about that. And, and he's saying, here's how you do it. And it's really God's plan 
to impact the world. And so we're going through 1 Timothy. Uh, the young guys left off yesterday, uh, last Sunday. They left off in chapter 1, verse 12, and that's where I'm picking up as we work through this passage. And what we're going to see is that Paul's going to lay this framework for us, and, and he's, he's going to put this all down, and, it, and we're going to pick it up in verse 12, and it's God's imp- plan to impact the world. And it starts with, like we might expect, that God saves sinners like us, even the worst sinners like us. God saved, and God saved Paul, and he's writing about that. And so we'll start in verse 12. He says, I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who has strengthened me because he considered me faithful, putting me into service. Even though I was formerly a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent aggressor, yet I was shown mercy because I acted ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord was more than abundant with the faith and love which are found in Christ Jesus. Very interesting. He gives a little bit of his testimony saying, wow, God impacted me. He's shown me mercy. Mercy is us not getting what we should get. And then he talks about grace. Grace is getting what we shouldn't get. So the bad, that thing that should happen to us, we don't get what we deserve. That's mercy. And then getting good things that we don't deserve, that's grace. And he brings these two together as he talks about his life and what God has done for him. And And so here he is, before he gets to uh, what the church is supposed to do or the actions and worship and church leadership that he's going to address, he takes it right down to the basic and he said, hey, remember this. Remember, Timothy, who I was. Because he's saying, I was the worst of sinners. I, I was a persecutor. I was a blasphemer. I was violent. He's saying, remember me. He's telling Timothy this because he's talking about how God has changed his life. And he doesn't want Timothy to lose sight because Timothy probably was saved at a younger age. He had Christian, uh, a Christian mother, a Christian grandmother. And so he knew about Christianity. Paul He was on the other side of the fence. He was persecuting Christians. And he's telling Timothy, remember me. Remember how God changed me. Because God is in the business of changing people's hearts. And he's saying, don't forget this. It's the gospel. This is what the church is all about. Don't forget what God has done for me. Remember who I was. Because the day the church becomes a country club for Christians to feel comfortable in is the day the church starts dying. He's saying, that's the day we're in trouble. He's saying, hey, remember what God has done for me. And uh, Paul, if you think about his life, because he did persecute the church, And then God dramatically saved him. And so if you've read the New Testament a little bit, you get that history and that story of Paul. But even though we understand those bases, I don't think we really feel like how it would be to live that out. Here Paul's a Christian who loves the church, right? And he's ministering church. Now he's become a leader of the churches. 
But every once in a while, no doubt, he comes in contact with a family member or a family that he has persecuted, that maybe he had beaten or thrown in jail or even killed. And so he's living with this where he, in Christian circles, are running into people that he's persecuted or relatives of people that he's persecuted, but yet the church has accepted, they were a little reluctant at first, but the church has accepted him and now he's a leader in the church, a God-appointed leader. And he's saying, Timothy, don't forget what God has done for me. And he describes himself as, as this the worst, that he's the chief, the foremost of all sinners. And, and some of us can kind of relate to that a little bit. As a matter of fact, I was thinking about this, and, and I'm thinking about how you know, I feel about God saving me as a sinner. And then it struck me that here, here Paul is saying he's the... He's the chief of all sinners because he did. He persecuted the church. It was terrible what he did. But then, and here's what struck me, that even when Paul was doing these terrible things, he actually was doing those things because he thought he was serving God. Now, he wasn't, and he was wrong, and God corrected him. But even the worst things Paul did, he did because he, he was trying to do something for God. I got to tell you, I look at my life and I look at the worst things that I've done. They're never trying to do something for God. How about you? It's always trying to do something for Kevin is kind of how it usually breaks out. And, and you start thinking about that. Here Paul's saying he's the worst sinner. And I think, well, wow. And then I'm realizing because I became a believer at, at a younger age that the worst things in my life happened after I became a believer. And this was, Paul struggled with some stuff, and we know about that from Romans 7, but I'm thinking, wow, you know, he's looking at the worst things he did. That was before he became a Christian. Well, that's not true for a lot of us. Some of, you know, some of us, we're struggling with things, and it's been since we've become a believer. And what Paul's saying is, hey, I... Remember me, Timothy, because I'm an example to other believers. And so not only did God save Paul, but God's grace is to everyone. It's a pattern. Picking up in the next verse, 15. It's a trustworthy statement, he says, deserving full acceptance, which that just means, hey, we need to tune into this. This is big. This is key. That Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners among whom I'm foremost of all. Yet for this reason, I found mercy, so that in me as the foremost, Jesus Christ might demonstrate his perfect patience as an example for those who would believe in him for eternal life. So what he's saying there is, hey, it doesn't matter who anyone used to be. He's giving himself as an example, and he's saying this, the reason that God has saved me and the reason that God has called me to serve him is so that other people can see, wow, if, if, God, could use, if God could save Paul, who attacked the church in its infancy, 
if God could save Paul and God could use Paul as a leader in the church, well, then God can use me and God can save me. And what he does is by giving this example, he's removing uh, any excuse of self-pity that we might have or anything when we're sitting there regarding salvation or service. Salvation first, obviously, when we're thinking, well, you know, it's nice that you, you people all serve God and, and you're pretty moral people, but you don't know what I've done. I've done things so bad that I'm out of the reach of God. And Paul's saying, no way. No way. You could come in and machine gun down this church family and you are still not out of the reach of God. Nobody is, is what he's saying. Or people will become believers and they'll say, wow, you know, I led a bad, bad life before I became a believer. And so I'm so grateful for God's salvation, but, but I really you know, shouldn't be serving and cannot serve and not qualified to serve. And Paul's saying, wrong. God saved you, and God wants to use you to impact the world. He, want, he wants to use you to serve in the church. He wants you to impact the world individually, and he wants you to come together in a church family and impact the world corporately. And we have no excuse. He wants to use all of us. And if God saved and used Paul, he can save and use any of us. And then Paul's overflowing with gratitude. He actually started verse 12 saying, thank God. And then he ends with this little section with praise in verse 17, where he says, now to the king, eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. And then he continues and says, hey, God saves even the worst sinners like us for a reason, so that we can fight the good fight. That's the next section. God saves sinners like us so that we can fight the good fight. Verse 18, this command I entrust to you, Timothy, my son, in accordance with the prophecies previously made concerning you, that by then you fight the good fight, keeping faith and a good conscience, which some have rejected and suffered shipwreck in regard to their faith. Among these are Hymenaeus and Alexander, whom I've handed over to Satan so that they will be taught not to blaspheme. So for that ending part, he's saying, hey, some people have left the faith and they've taught error, and I'm getting rid of them. We talked a little bit about that last time. But he's starting off, he's challenging Timothy, fight the good fight. And he's reminding us that there is a spiritual battle happening all around us. It happens in our own hearts, and it also happens for the souls of people all around us every day. And he's telling Timothy, fight the good fight. And the way this language that he's using is emphasizing the urgency and the importance of what's happening here. Spiritual warfare. That's why we need to be intentional about reaching out to other people, impacting other people that we know personally, and also serving the church to impact people as a group. That's what God has called all of us, if you're a believer, 
all of us believers to do. And that's why we try to stay aggressive. That's why, because God has given us some traction here in Sandusky County, we want to go get that same kind of traction, reproduce ourselves in Seneca County. God has given us an opportunity that we want to take advantage of. And it's not easy. It's expensive. It's hard. It's inconvenient. It's more work for everybody. But it's an opportunity that God's given us, uniquely given us. I think we are uniquely equipped to impact Seneca County, Tiffin. And God's plan is to use all of us who are here are believers. God has saved us if you're a believer. And if you're a believer, God has gifted you to serve the church, to serve our church family, to make us better. And, and so we all come together and do everything we can do to impact our communities. And, and people do all kinds of things, things that you would never think of, like, you know, guys out mowing and, and you know, trimming and, and doing stuff. Just what we're trying to do is we don't want anybody to be distracted or turned off by anything until they come here and sit down and hear the Word of God. If the Word of God, if they don't like that, if that offends them, so be it. We don't want to offend them before they get to there. We want everybody to come in and have a, a clear hearing of the Word of God. If the Word of God offends them, then we'll just let God work that out because we're not backing off on the Word of God. So that, 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 that's a good, yeah, you know. And so we'll let the chips fall there. But before that, we want our building to look good. We want our, our people to be friendly. We want to, to welcome them in. We, we want people here. We want them to come and hear the truth no matter who they are, no matter what they've done. So we want to impact people. We, we serve to impact others. We serve to help people in our church family. J just this week, I was gone part of this week, and right before I left, I heard that there were some needs. A lot of you have been praying for Jack Whitaker, little Jack Whitaker, and, uh, and I know Adam and Janie appreciate that. And I've been keeping in touch with Adam to say, hey, how can we help? And a lot of you have helped, and, but just every once in a while, just saying, hey, just want to let you know that I'm praying for you every day, and you know, is there any way that, that, that we can help as a church? And, and he, he's always said, no, I'm pretty good, and financially, you know, we're okay, and and because of some other circumstances and, and whatever. And, and then I, last time I, I reached out to him was, was maybe almost a week ago or so. I can't remember the exact day, but I said, hey, Adam, just checking in, anything that we can do for you? And he said, you know, we're, we're doing pretty good. God is really blessed, and God's used a lot of people to, to bless us, and it's been good. He said, the only thing I could think of is because of everything Jack's been going through at home, there's some summer projects, a couple of projects that I didn't get done. There's a the tree that's about to, a dead tree about to fall down that I was going to take out. I haven't had time to do that. A driveway needs sealed. I haven't had time to do that. And I just mentioned that in the church office, told David Stacy about that. That was a, a week ago, I think. That's all, those things are already done. Actually, I was going to say, hey, we could help some, you know, if anybody wants to help with any of this, it's all done. There's a Kylie Garner, I don't know if she's in this service, but uh, she's a faithful single mom in our church uh, that we love, and was kind of, she's been going through a tough time uh, with housing and stuff, and I, I have been asking her, hey, is there anything we can do? Hey, how, how can we help? 
and, uh, and, and there wasn't a whole lot we could do. And then about that same time, which I think was last Sunday, she said, hey, Kevin, you know how you keep asking if there's anything? Well, I need to move my stuff from a storage unit to a house that we finally got for me and, and the boys. And, and so she's excited about that, but didn't have any way. And, and, uh, and I mentioned that. And that's all been done. You know, it just got, it, that got done yesterday. I know um, Scott and Tom were involved in that. And then some of our young adults took that on as a project. And it happened yesterday. I mean, we want to take care of the people inside of our church family. But we also come together because we want to impact our community. We want to also reach out. It can't be... You know, we want to take care of our own, and, and we do that, and we want to get better and better at doing that. But we also want a presence in our community where our community notices that we care about them. And so here in, in the next several months, we are looking in our communities for ways that we can impact people, which we're hoping will cause them to want to give a fair hearing of the gospel, that this, to somehow attract them in so that they will hear the gospel. That they'll be receptive to it. Hey, these are good people. Oh, these are the people that did this or that in our community. Yeah, I, I might go check that out. Well, then, so they'll hear the gospel and maybe be a little more open-minded when they do. So just giving you a heads up, that's some of the things that, that we want to do and, and hope to do. And maybe God will open those doors for us. But we're, we're fighting. We're trying to make a difference. We're trying to make an impact. And you should join us in that. Because God wants you to. We're coming together to fight the good fight. And so then, Paul says, hey, Timothy, fight the good fight. But then he tells Timothy how to fight the good fight. And he says, to fight the good fight, first, you do that by keeping faith. And, and that could be keeping faith is, is primarily talking about Timothy's own faith being true to what he knows, but it's also keeping the faith, which is the doctrinal body of truth of Scripture, and, and keeping faith. And, and, of course, Timothy's confronting false teaching in the church, like we heard about last week. And Timothy's younger, and he's maybe a little timid. If you read 2 Timothy, you get that impression. He's kind of a timid guy. And Paul's saying, no, you got to confront. you, you got to make this happen. you got to stand for doctrinal truth. We do not slip on this. This is not color of the carpet type stuff. This is what the Bible says type stuff. And you cannot compromise. And, and he's charging Timothy up, keeping faith. And as he fights, he's reminded to keep his own faith in good order. That we need to pay attention to what's happening in our own souls. Because if we don't and we drift from Christ, we'll, a lot of us are just kind of fighters and you'll end up fighting the wrong fight. You'll end up being critical and just kind of taking pot shots and, and being critical of petty stuff, even in church, and not serving because it's easier to do that than to jump into ministry and roll your sleeves up and make things happen. So we focus our lives on Jesus to give us strength to accomplish the task that Jesus has set before us, the mission. And so he's telling us, Timothy, and, and by extension, all of us, hey, we fight the good fight by keeping faith, and also he's telling us by keeping a good conscience. And we do that by teaching truth, that we do not stray from the Word of God, even when it's awkward, even if it's contrary 
to our particular culture because, again, the Bible is actually different parts of the Bible offend every culture because the Bible as a whole did not come from any one culture. So parts of it offend different cultures, but somewhere in the Bible will offend, will offend every culture. We need to keep a good conscience by, by staying true to God's word. And of course, our conscience is actually a gift from God. Our conscience is when we do wrong, we feel guilt or shame or insecurity or fear, and that is to kind of challenge us. It's, it's a warning system that God has given us to say, hey, we're straying. This doesn't seem right. This is wrong. All of a sudden, I feel guilty. And, and we live in a culture that says you should never feel guilty. But our conscience tells us, yeah, there's some times when we should feel guilty and we should check ourselves. Now, there's something we got to remember is that our conscience is not foolproof. We have to constantly be checking our conscience against the word of God to make sure we're right because our consciences, they can change. They can grow callous. We can be, and, and this has probably happened to many of us, we can do something that at first bothers our conscience. We feel guilty about it. But if we keep on doing it, sooner or later, we will become callous to that and we will not feel guilty anymore. Well, that's our conscience shifting. And that's where we look to God's word to say, should we have felt guilty about that? Because if we should have, we still should. And so God gives us our conscience as a gift to help us be tuned in to where we stray from what God would want for us, what, God, what God's best for us is. But we've got to constantly check it against the Word of God. And then Paul calls out two false teachers, two false teachers, Hymenaeus and Alexander. And he's saying they are false teachers and he, Paul put them out of the church. He uses this phrase, handed them over to Satan. And this is sort of like a punishment. It, it was really to serve to bring them back to God. But he uses the same phrase in, when he's talking to the church in Corinth, and he, he puts them out. And, and that, boy, okay, God's the God of love and, and church, and we love everybody. He, yeah, he puts somebody out to protect the church from false doctrine, and we should do that today. It's the message of the church of Jesus is too important to allow false teachers to mess it up in the church. That can't happen. And so Paul calls them out by name, reminds them he's already put them out of the church. And, and we don't know exactly what was going there, why they abandoned true doctrine. We don't know if, if they just got kind of critical and that spiraled out of control and just got worse and worse until it started affecting their belief. We don't know if they were banging the traditionalist drum and they kept, you know, tradition, 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 and, and they stirred up that crowd, but it was in violation of the gospel. On the other hand, we don't know if they were banging the contemporary drum and banging, the, they were stirring up that crowd so much that they were bending their teaching to match the culture of the world because that leaves the gospel behind also. So we don't know exactly what was happening. What we do know is they left 
the gospel, which made them false teachers. And it could not be tolerated in the church after they, they strayed that way. It's too important. And so God saves sinners like us, even the worst of sinners like us, so that we can fight the good fight. And then the last thing that I want to mention is not only does He save us so that we can fight the good fight, He also saves us so we can pray for God to save other sinners like us. We're sinners that are way different from us. It doesn't matter so that we would pray for others. I, just this morning, I, I saw a post on, on our Fight Club page uh, from a guy that was in our church for five years and here in the last week or two has moved away uh, out of our area to the East Coast. Uh, he's in the Coast Guard. It's Jonathan Zanoni. And uh, here, here's what he said. Here's what he just kind of posted for the guys. He said, I would just like to say thank you again to everyone who helped me along my journey in faith and conversion from Roman Catholic. I was only a part of grace for five years, but in those years I was baptized, attended Wednesday night men's classes, and did fight club twice. Two things that I know that I'll all miss is first, the number of dedicated men serving in the church and the strong support system that they have. And then the other thing that I'll miss is the outstanding children's program that the church has to offer. By the time we left, my kids were begging to go with me on Wednesday nights and were just as excited to go on Sundays. As I go once again on the hunt for another church, I ask for prayers and God's wisdom in guiding me and my family in finding the right church. My only regret over the last five years was not serving sooner in the church, but I will do my best to pick up where I left off and continue on my journey in faith, and I can't wait to see where it takes me. All right, so here's Jonathan, came into our church, not a believer, became a believer, started getting more and more involved, started growing more and more, starting to become a leader to his family. He's kind of a guy that's a little guarded, like a lot of men, you know, not just not a real super outgoing guy, and and then you could just see over the years where he just opened up more and more, became more committed, serving more, and uh, God impacted him and his entire family. Hey, this is why we pray for people. So we want to impact people just like Jonathan. You know, and now he's going to go somewhere else, and he's committed to finding a Bible-preaching church where he can pick up where he left off and jump in and start serving and making an impact. Just like he eventually did here at Grace. We pray for God to save sinners like us. That, that takes us into chapter 2, verse 1. Where, here's where he says this. Paul says, first of all, then, I urge that entreaties and prayers, petitions, and thanksgivings be made on behalf of all men, for kings and all who are in authority, so that we may lead a tranquil and quiet life in all goodness and dignity. This is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator also between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all, the testimony given at its proper time. 
For this, I was appointed a preacher and an apostle. I'm telling the truth. I'm not lying. As a teacher of the Gentiles in faith and truth. Therefore, I want the men in every place to pray, lifting up holy hands without wrath and dissension. And what we see here is a couple of things. And number one, when he's saying, I want all men to be saved, that's, men, that's mankind, men in the generic. And it's not always used that way, but there it is. And then he's saying, hey, I, I want you to be praying. Apparently, the church there had become apathetic about praying for people. And this is the danger of all churches, all evangelical churches, that we get comfortable in doing church the way we're doing church without bringing a bunch of outsiders in. But that's what God's called us to do. Because God wants all, he desires all to be saved. But he doesn't violate people's choice. And so we reach out and we try to impact everyone. And that's linked to God's will. And, and then he, he specifically says, pray for the leaders right now. And, and he's talking about the leaders of, of the country, the, the government authorities. Right now, there's this whole Supreme Court thing happening. I don't know if, if people realize how much the Supreme Court impacts religious liberties. Because what happens is, when you can't get something passed legislatively, all you need is an activist judge to, to kind of hammer down a decree, and all of a sudden it becomes a law of the land. I'll give you an example. You know, the classic example of that is in Canada, where if our church was located, what, a couple hundred miles north, we would not have been able to air last Sunday's message because in that text, in part of the first chapter of Timothy, it says things that in Canada is considered hate speech. Well, there's people in America who think the exact same thing. And so if you label just everything, all of a sudden then the Bible, reading the Bible publicly or airing it publicly is then hate speech. So they say, well, you can be in your church and say that for now, but you can't broadcast it on the airways. You can't broadcast it anywhere because that's hate speech. Well, that, that's how close we are. So that's why it's important who we have on the Supreme Court. So you should be praying for that process. You should be praying for wisdom for our leaders because we need conservative judges on the Supreme Court because those are the ones who will protect our religious liberty, which allows us to share the gospel and reach out to other people. The fight is real. And things that happen in our government impact us. And we need to be aware of that. And so we should be praying. And then not just for our leaders of our country, but we should be just praying for all people in general, people that we know, people who, who are outside the kingdom of God, people who don't know Christ. He's challenged us. We should pray. because Why? Because God wants all to be saved. Jesus gave himself as a ransom for all, but people have their own wills, which fights them. And so we come in to try to push them, point them, teach them, answer their questions, point them to Christ, make a place where they can be non-threatened, you know, don't feel threatened as they hear about truth. So God can work on their hearts and draw them to himself.
Again, he said, for there is one God and one mediator also between God and men, the man Christ Jesus who gave himself a ransom for all. There's no other way. There's one mediator between us and God. It's not the Pope. It's Jesus Christ. He's the only one. And so it's only faith through Christ. It's only Christ who could die for our sins. He's the only human who walked the planet who, who didn't have his own sins to die for. He bled, died, allowed himself to be tortured to death in payment for our sins if we would only have faith, if we would, if we would just respond with our will, if we would just respond to the offer of forgiveness that he invites us all to take. And we want to take that offer to other people so that they would receive it just like a whole bunch of, not everybody here, but most of us here have. Receive His forgiveness that we don't, we don't deserve it because we, we've done wrong against God. What we deserve is separation from God forever. But in mercy, God doesn't give us that when we come to Him. And in grace, he, he gives us Christ's righteousness for our account. That's the gospel. And then last, he says that as we pray, that we pray with holy lives and without wrath and dissension. He says lifting up holy hands. In the first century, it's common to lift their hands when they prayed. But the, what Paul's not teaching posture here. He's saying holy hands, that we would pray with holy lives, that we have a good conscience before God, that we would want to follow Him with our, that, with our lives, that we, our lives would honor God, that that's the way that we would come to Him in prayer. And then without wrath, me, meaning anger or dissension, which is just petty differences and disunifying, you know, griping and critiquing and, and all that stuff, disputing, wants us to come together in unity, living consistent lives, fighting the good fight, and praying for God to impact people, and recognizing that He does it through people like us, sinners like us. And that's what God wants for us. You know, in every church, and I'm not saying this because I'm hearing any complaints or anything. I'm just saying in every church, you'll, you'll, anybody will find something that they don't like. And if it's not God's truth that's being violated, you probably just need to get over that because the rest is just style. You know, we, we change our styles. We change the way buildings look. We change the, the way we sing praise songs to God. We... That all stuff, that's all just style. What we cannot change is the truth of God's Word. So that doesn't change. Other things can change. Why? To impact a culture, to speak their language, to, to get a hearing so that we can uh, teach them the truth of God. To at least let them hear it, evaluate it, figure it out, think about it, ponder it. And that God can use that process to impact their lives. I said earlier, I think the truth of God's word offends 
every culture at some point or another. Different things offend different cultures. And that's true of our culture. And we're going to talk about some of the most offensive things to our culture next week. And so next Sunday, I invite you to come back and you're going to hear me preach a sermon that most evangelical church pastors will not preach today. They would a hundred years ago, but they will not preach it today. But it's the truth of God's word. So let's all stand together and uh, come back next Sunday. It's one of the mo- it'll be one of the most controversial topics you ever hear. And some of you are not going to like it. And probably some of you will never come back. <laughs> but you need to come and hear it anyway. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for loving us. We thank you for grace. We thank you for saving us even in spite of our sin. And God, some of us in here would throw ourselves in the category of the worst sinners that you've redeemed. And God, we thank you for that so we don't deserve it. And God, we pray that you'd help us to have good conscience, that we would take care of our own souls, that, that we would grow closer to you. And if we have any ongoing sin in our life that we've become callous to, Lord, that we would first admit that, which is confession, and, and Lord, then we would turn away from it, asking you for help, and we would replace that by doing what you'd want us to do. Don't let us become calloused in our sin. Help us to fight the good fight, to make a difference, to make an impact that you've called us to do. And Lord, we know we can only do that with your help and your grace and your strength. And God, that's what we're asking for. And help us to make an impact personally in each one of our lives and help us to come together corporately here at Grace and make an impact on our communities in a larger way. And God, we know that you'll build your church through that. And Lord, we thank you for the opportunity. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Hey, thanks for being here. Hope to see you next Sunday. Have a great week.